0: You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. There you go. You know what that means. That is straight talk. You can... Phone in a call at 877-795-0122. Not phone in a call, but phone in a question. Yes. Or you can go through our Facebook page and submit a question as well. This is the time where you have the opportunity to direct the show with any type of question underneath the sun and have an opportunity for a priest or a deacon to answer the questions. So the number again is 877 795 0122 we've got a couple of questions in the hopper we're waiting for them to turn green but 877795012 Two. Now, whenever I'm on, we're always looking for people from Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah, because we canceled so we, them. Yes, exactly. So and we And even hear Montana, some, I think. And I even think. Canada, because we had listeners there, but we, no, no calls ever from uh, Montana or Canada. So they are officially canceled until they actually call. And out of a potential 2.4 million okay. listening base, correct? Right. We, we need to a, hear should, from them as well. We should have a ton Not of just calls. A local oh, we, got, we got green. green. You ready do, you to go? want, do you want to answer Here the, we mass, go. the first one?
1: I will. Terry is wondering... Why is Mary always depicted with a veil?
0: Was that dress code back then? Very good question, Terry. So, you know, women back in the day did wear a veil. That was a common form for the Jewish woman to wear. Was it dress code? I don't know of it anything being religious dress code. I don't know anything about that in the uh, in the uh, Old Testament or in the law speaking to that. But it was certainly a cultural one. And so showing Mary as often as possible in a cultural uh uh, you know, situation be most appropriate. So, thanks. Question. Great uh, Terry. question. Another one we have is: John the Baptist was born without
1: sin because of Mary and Elizabeth meeting.
0: Ain't wrong. Now, do you no, think any was, other he, babies were born without sin? So, so full John question. John the Baptist was born with sin, and so uh, the only two without sin was Mary and Jesus. So, John the Baptist was born with original sin, but not actual sin. No baby is born with actual sin. That's the sin that we commit by our own actions or inactions. And so John the Baptist was uh, was born with original sin, as was every other baby other than Mary and Jesus. So as one's coming in on the phone,
1: let's go back to the veils. You see women wearing veils in church. Do you want to speak to sure. that briefly as it
0: ties to the first Yeah, well, I don't think that really ties in too much to the well, whole Mary being uh, in, a veil, in a veil. But, veil. but you know, yeah, I mean, there, there it used to be much more of a cultural thing, at least in the Western church, that women would wear um, veils uh, in the presence of the Eucharist and in, in, in church as a sign of respect. Whereas, like, culturally, men take their hats off as a sign of respect. Women put something on their head. And so uh, in you know, it used to be much more of a common thing I don't know if it was mandatory, but it was certainly extremely common before the Second Vatican Council where women would wear veils to show that that sign of respect. And you're starting to see that come back in certain locations, certain parishes. Now, some are black and some are white. I've never seen blue or anything like that. Have I, you noticed I, any of? Is there any logic to I don't to that? know uh, anything to the color. The name code. I don't think okay. there's much of a color code. But eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, or via our Facebook page eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. We are certainly encouraging people to call in on the phone. Lots of crazies going on in the world today. Lots of crazy stuff, and let's uh, talk a little bit might, about a crazy thing going on in our area. What's that? Boo at the zoo. Boo at the zoo is so. a great,
1: great thing
0: that they do for the kids, but yeah. we got a little
1: crazy twist this year. So we
0: have a we have a zoo in Duluth called the Lake Superior Zoo, which is you know it's an average size zoo for the size of our town, mm-hmm. and uh, um, their biggest their biggest event of the year is always revol- revolving around Halloween. Boo at the zoo, and and this year they decided in a crackpot sort of way to have drag queens write uh, read uh, story time to little toddlers, and and you know it's they've gotten a lot of pushback on that as they deserve, uh, and um, they're basically saying it's based on inclusivity. And to my response to that, well, if you're doing that for inclusivity, then then have a day for the Drake Show Queens. Exactly. Then we can know not to bring our kids. Exactly. But, exactly. you know, the, uh, um, uh, the person that they have doing the Drake Show Queen story hour for t- toddlers is a person that's a fairly well-known act here in Duluth. And they've been hired in uh, adult entertainment uh, places. And if you were to look at their name on Facebook page, I'm not going to talk no, about yeah. that now. If you were to look on it on Facebook, not Facebook, but just in uh, Google general it. Google search, vile, unbelievable vile stuff. stuff that terrible stuff that they that they show that they themselves post. Yes. And we're going to expose children to that. And you know, I, in my in my comment is that. It wasn't all that long ago or if, if, if a man was dressing as a woman, showing undue attention to young children, we'd lock him up. Exactly. But now we put him in family-friendly and venues bring and celebrate them.
1: And bring three-year-olds and four-year-olds and have a story read to them.
0: Yeah, it's um, literally ridiculous. It we're going, is. We're going Another crazy. one going
1: green. And we want to see more calls coming in, 877-795-0122. So what are the main differences between Catholics and Pentecostals?
0: Well, I mean, there's probably a lot of main differences between Catholics and Pentecostals. We'll just say, well, you know, I don't want to be, broad, you know, broad brush here, uh, but Pentecostals, will just throw them into the Protestant angle of things, and the big difference between us and Protestants are the sacraments, you mm-hmm. know, the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, You know, I always tell people that, you know, when people are concerned about, oh, Mary or the saints, purgatory or the Pope, and the big differences, that's nothing compared to the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the biggest difference between Catholics and non-Catholics.
1: Yep. Um, so, Father Rich, um, great commentary on that in regards to that. We've talked about that in some of the Theology and Cap things we take place in our area. Well, and what's Theology and Cap? Theology and caps, when we get together with you as, as a speaker and a uh, Lutheran pastor and we talk about theological differences, we have three events a year, as a quick plug, and we talk about theological differences and the Eucharist was the number one uh, attended event that we had the differences on the Eucharist and we've had more people request us to do another one because as you mentioned
0: that's the source and summit of our faith and that is the number one difference between us and all the Protestants It's interesting that my good friend uh, Pastor Peter Coates who was my aspiring partner at that one he and I were both kind of hesitant to go into the Eucharist as the differences mm-hmm. and and I think the reason why I was hesitant was because it's such a big topic Yes, I don't know why he was hesitant except for my guess is that maybe that there, there could be a, a, an unintentional defensiveness about, you know, where Protestantism took the Eucharist as opposed to what Catholics have always believed. But it, I think that it was probably one of our better.
1: It was discussion. Yes, it was one of our uh, surveys were fantastic in regards to the Eucharist. Other denominations have the symbolic Eucharist. You know, if communion you, once a month with bread and
0: wine. If you they, have somebody that can articulate well and accurately. The church's teaching on the Eucharist. If you can have somebody that articulates that, it can't help but inspire you, and hopefully move you to believe. You have to have somebody that can do it do it well, though, because there's so many misconceptions yes. about what the church teaches on the Eucharist, and it's, it's it's the most beautiful thing in our in our Catholic faith. But anyhow, so if you have questions on it, call in or hit Facebook with it. Yeah, one two two Even get in the juicy questions. Yeah, get in the. I like the juicy ones. 877 Eight seven 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 nine five. 0122 two or via our Facebook page. The lines are open. We have not had a single person on the phone yet.
1: No, and, or Facebook question right now either. I think we usually end up strong. We get two or three, four questions coming in at the end. We like to have those questions now, folks. Don't wait. Well, Do you have
0: any questions? Do I have any questions? They don't put me on a spot for well, that Well, I don't one. Know, think about the craziness oh. that's going on in the world. I have so many people, well, so here's the thing, it's like I have so many people, as as priest, as pastor, I have so many people ask me about these things that are going on, they've seen the news. Yes. So yeah. it's like, there's got to be a ton of people that are out there thinking the same thing. It's like, what in the world is going on with this, or that and this? And that, the,
1: <laughs> what I think is the majority of the people that oppose it do not want to speak up for it. They don't want to call right. and, and say, no, this is not appropriate. They're just going to well, be quiet about it and uh, then let it unfold, I just, which I, just, I think is wrong. I
0: just read this morning, actually, about um, uh, that very thing, that how... You know, there's, we're in the ele- election season, yes. lots of polling are going out. And so uh, from what I from what I read this morning, and it makes a lot of sense to me, is that people that are what you'd call maybe quote-unquote conservative are afraid to say anything. They're afraid to answer the questions. They're afraid to post anything online. Exactly. And so they're underrepresented. Exactly. And they're afraid because of, because of the other side always wanting to attack them or call them racist. Right. And so I think, you know, again, this is a political thing, but I think when we look at these polls that are going on, you know, the last few cycles of elections have showed that the polls have been very off, yes, very off. But I think that's growing more and more because there's so much hostility towards conservatives. Yes. so many people have traditional values. The hostility is so great that they're that they are um, a, labeled all sorts of bad and games. they don't want to
1: come out with their point of view and their stance because it is divisive amongst their family their friends and their workplace so they're just going to remain quiet let's,
0: let's use the example of the the abortion thing so now like right now the Democrats are actually doing a very good job at painting in the at least in the campaigning campaigning uh, like all their ads and stuff like that they are doing a good job at showing that the Republicans, or let's just say the pro-life side, are um, extreme. Yes. Because we we're don't extremists. want. Yeah, we're, we're extreme because we are. We don't want people to have the right to to choose, choose to terminate yes. their. And so we're extreme, but the thing is that they're doing a good job at doing that at painting the picture of the pro-life movement. of That the pro-life movement is not doing a good job on the other side because the extreme is what they are. Because it used to be used to be abortion even among the pro-choice politicians say safe and rare. Right. Now that they no, no 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 pro-choice politician says that now it's it's almost like a religious aspect of right. their of their stance right. to kill a baby for any reason whatsoever up to the moment of birth to the moment of birth and even after birth that's is, the extreme. This isn't the child I desired. That's the, that, that's extreme. That's the You're extreme. Exactly right. <laughs> and so so we as the pro-life side of things we have to paint the picture of their, their extremes nature is so much more uh, extreme than what we... We're just saying it's a human life. And if you're saying it's a human life, it shouldn't be destroyed. Exactly. Right? And so, the right to life, that's the, that's the main thing. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The extreme is only on one side. And that extreme is that abortion should be allowed all the way up to the moment of birth. That's extreme. <clears throat> and, wow. then, and then take away any con- uh, uh, conscience rights of doctors... Yes. To say no, because even our president is trying to say no. He's trying to strip those conscience rights from doctors. Saying, no, you have to perform abortion. Yes. Don't give Don't doctor. give
1: them time to think about it. Yep. Don't encourage them to think about it. You have yeah. to go do that. The other side is extreme, folks. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Uh, We have a question coming in. Uh, It's not there yet, but also extremists. anybody that was praying the rosary, that was what, three, four months ago? Yeah. That that was a symbol of extremism. Yeah, somebody
0: at the Atlantic, there's a a newspaper, left-leaning, not left-leaning, left newspaper, talked about how the rosary was a sign of extremism. So the silent majority needs to become a little more vocal
1: in order for them to understand that we are here. Absolutely. We do have a question. We do. Do you ever have a moral obligation to use NFP to prevent pregnancy?
0: Do you ever have a moral? Yeah, I'd say so. Natural family planning. Yeah, not, yeah. yeah, The answer is yes. I mean, yeah. Unless, that, you got, unless you got a deeper question or
1: more to that question, than what? Yeah, I'm not sure where that saying. actually. Do you ever have a moral obligation to use NFP, natural family planning, to prevent pregnancy? Um, oh well,
0: maybe if it's... maybe some, in a, if, uh, a risky environment. Right. Or I mean, um, so I if, if if I'm reading what they're asking is maybe maybe because some people don't ever do anything. And maybe the question is, should they use NFP to try and limit? yes. In that case, yeah, there could be an issue in regards to health of the mom, or it could be also even, uh, you know, I mean... uh, well, I mean that would be the first thing that would come to mind. I know that some couples probably struggle in regards to it's like, well, we already have seven kids. I don't know if I can afford another one. Right. You know? And so right. to use natural family planning is it an obligation? I don't know. I don't know if I'd say the word moral obligation, but it'd be a compelling one. Yes, Maybe. very much so. so. I mean that's. I
1: mean the word planning allows us to plan our family and our timeliness in regards to what's happening, so that with natural family planning, abstinence from the marital embrace and so forth allows you to then. Uh, not necessarily prevent that pregnancy even though you're open to life for it you're going to abstain so the chance of being come pregnant in time yet it's not financially feasible for your family to do so can be done properly through natural family planning
0: 877 just once do i want to challenge a caller to actually have the guts to get on the line yeah, and we talk to us in person have anybody on the phone 877 795 or via our facebook page we we were definitely a um, uh, I was on my soapbox talking about the whole pro-life thing a little bit ago, so hopefully that stirred some people wondering about uh, a question that they might want to ask. We do have one in the hopper getting cooked right now. But until then, here's the number again, 877 795 This is actually my favorite part of the whole
1: show. You always say that whenever <clears throat> I'm on with you, and it is. It's fun and exciting because the questions are so different. They're and I don't from know what's coming. Right, exactly, exactly. Yes. So it can just be spurred, whatever people want to talk about. This is your chance to ask Father Rich a question about any topic you want, 877-795-0122, or on Facebook, as you know. Uh, so this one's coming through. It's quite a long one, so... It's going to turn green. Give me one second, and I will read it for the audience. Do you have any advice for standing up for your faith in school or work environments where people are vocally hostile towards Catholics or those with more conservative views? Do I have any advice? So so what we were talking
0: about, yeah, silent so majority. I, would, I would say, number one, um, uh, courage and fortitude are virtues. All right, So virtues all have their source in God and you know the silver bullet in everything christian is prayer so pray to god asking for the courage and the fortitude to stand up when you're in the minority i have to say that you know i mean i don't i don't think of myself as the most virtuous guy in the world but the one thing that i've given been given by god is fortitude I have, uh, I have no problem whatsoever talking in front of large congregations in any organization whatsoever about what are the Catholic Church's core values and teachings. And you can bet that even a, at a Sunday Mass... You know, a Catholic Church teaching on something such as, like, even gay marriage is going to be in the minority. You know, to, to speak to that is something that God gave me the ability to do so and do so forcefully, but in charity as well. Yes. Because you don't want to beat somebody over the head with it. It's all about charity, it's all about winning people over. It's not about winning a debate, it's winning people over. So the idea of having the fortitude. To be in the minority and speak um, boldly about it, but then also the ability to speak about it in a charitable sort of way. So you're not trying to win an argument, you're trying to win people over with logic. And I was going to add to that, do it in a Christ-like manner. Um,
1: Whenever you do it in a Christ-like manner, and if you're being asked or challenged on a a topic or an area that you don't feel 100% confident in, you can acknowledge that, defer from that, go to the catechism and then come back with a calm, Christ-like manner answer to that individual. A lot of times the hostility can happen, and that's where we have to be the ones to actually take the
0: step back, be charitable, and diffuse that situation. 877 795 795 122 Or if you're a Facebook guy or gal, yep. you can do it through Facebook as well. Or call in on the phone. We'd love to have you on voice. 877-795-0122.
1: Another one's coming in. It's going to turn green as we say go. Should non Catholics genuflect before the tabernacle at a Catholic church?
0: That's a very good question. So, a good I, had question. A, I had a, um, uh, years ago, I was talking to a, a Methodist minister. Actually, I wasn't even a priest at this time, I was uh, in the seminary. And the Methodist minister said, Well, I believe totally what the Catholic Church teaches about the youth, fully and totally. I said, Well, then why aren't you a Catholic? Because that's yeah. the biggest thing, you know. And so, if you're a non Catholic, and you believe what the Catholic Church believes and professes to be true about the Eucharist, then absolutely you should genuflect. But if you're going to genuflect, then you should join RCIA, exactly, right? because, like, as I said a few minutes ago, this is the biggest difference between us and and non-Catholics in the in the in the Christian world. And so, uh, if you don't believe it, you know, if you're if you're like a non-Catholic and you go to a wedding or something like that, no, you're not obliged to genuflect. Uh, but um, uh, as Catholics certainly are, if they can. But if you are non-Catholic and you believe uh, that Jesus Christ is fully present in that tabernacle, then your next step is RCIA. So let's talk briefly so we we'll wait another question come in. RCA is that only for individuals who want to come into the church, it, or can anybody go? It depends on the program. So in our program, so we share it with your parish, St yes. James and St Lawrence, and we open it to anybody. And and we have and there's different schools of thought. Some people think it should just be for people coming into the church or getting confirmed or whereas our school of thought is we want to open up to a larger group so more people can learn about it, and it's easier to teach. It's a better, it's a better educational um, uh, uh, environment to have more people than just have one or two right. people. And I've heard positive comments on our model of what we're we doing. We have a great RCIA. Uh, Deacon John, we, I've done RCIA since long before as a priest. The best program I've ever been in is the one that we've got right and here.
1: Lifelong Catholics are going, <laughs> and they're oh, learning yeah, more
0: about their faith. So another question. Why do some churches hold hands during the Our Father, and other churches do not? Very good question. You know, I I also write uh, columns for our diocesan newspaper. I've been doing that for over almost 20 years now. And of all the columns I've ever written, the one that got the most feedback or negative feedback was when I wrote about not holding hands during the Lord's Prayer. Holding hands during the Lord's Prayer is just a bad idea on various different ways. If you want to do it as a family, fine, that's great. But the the uh, the Lord's prayer is an utter transcendent prayer, all right? and so we're praying to the Father. And uh, the other thing is that when we're in church, we want to uh, not to, we want we don't want anything to distract us from our prayer. Before I was a priest. When I was going into a church, and I would always say, "I oh, hope to God this is not a hand-holding uh, church," because it's such a distraction for me. to hold somebody's hands. So if you're holding hands with somebody, it's like a lot of people. It's like they can't stand that, you know. So it's like you are not helping the prayer. You're not helping the person in that prayer. Bad imagery. Takes people out of their comfort zones, reaching across the aisle. There, yeah, you, it looks like a, a game of holy twister from the, from my angle. When I see people reaching across the aisles and and from front pew back pew, there's there's nothing positive from my standpoint in regards to holding hands or in the Lord's. Word. It's not a Catholic thing. It's something that somehow or another seeped into Catholicism from some other tradition. I don't know. But uh, it's something fairly new and uh, fairly poorly uh, advised. And nobody talks about it, really, anymore. Well, I, it's, that not do, anymore. well it's not done as much anymore. It's not done as much
1: anymore. When we travel, I'm surprised at how many people do still hold hands, really? and some do stretch
0: quite a ways, I think or most, they have their hands raised. I think most of the priests these days are like kind of distract, trying to tamp that down yeah, yeah. a little bit, where it's like the generation before, it's like they're trying to encourage it a little bit. Yeah. So good a topic
1: for RCA, too, yeah, right? Yeah, I think we're heading the Proper right Proper worship and mass. Yeah, exactly. We have another one coming in here. Grace is wondering, would the use of birth control be a practical solution for non-Catholics to prevent pregnancy, therefore reducing the number of women seeking abortion?
0: Well, you know, I mean, the the, the thing, Grace, that's a good question. You know, I mean, birth control is not only, the Catholic Church doesn't teach that birth control is wrong only for Catholics. All right? So it's like, you know, I mean, uh, let's... I, I'm trying to think of a, a crazy example to give as as to. So, what is wrong is wrong, and what is right is right. It's not just based on Catholic or non-Catholic. When the question was just asked a few minutes ago, should a non-Catholic uh, genuflect in front of the uh, Eucharist? And that is based on your faith. You know, I mean, if you don't believe that that's the Eucharist, then you're not gonna you're not gonna um, uh, do that. It's not a part of your cre- It's not a part of the creed of Protestants to believe what we believe as, as Catholics. Is it true? Yes, we say that it's true, and we speak that as Catholics. When it comes to moral issues, there are some moral issues that are considered by some denominations and some religions as okay and not by others. From the Catholic standpoint, we speak to it, we you know believe that this is the truth that handed on to us by God. And so birth, the birth control issue from the Catholic perspective is something that's more broad than a denominational aspect. So we would say there's something wrong with using birth control even if you're not catholic even if your denomination has no problem with it we still say no there's something objectively there's something objectively wrong with it and so you know I Fulton Sheen I love Fulton Sheen in many different ways he was a <clears throat> very good he said why do we even call it birth control when it has nothing to do with birth or control mm-hmm. and so i mean that's a pithy little way of of you know making the point of uh, of the the farce of it and so a lot of people use the birth control argument to, to, um, uh, to prevent, you know, um, uh, the abortion thing, to, to lower abortions. There are no studies that show birth control actually lower abortion rates. If anything else, it actually increases abortion rates. Because people are using birth control, they feel like this false sense of confidence that they're not going to get pregnant. Then, they get then when pregnant. they do get pregnant, then the abortion is actually most apt to happen. So it's kind of a weak argument if you're trying to lower abortions based on birth control. Grace, but I hope they're, that answers your yeah, question. Yeah, thanks, Great, Grace. thank you.
1: Another one just came in. Can you date if you're seeking an annulment, but it has
0: not yet been approved? Technically, no, you cannot. And so the annulment process is a—I shouldn't even say technically. You're really not supposed to because we always, um, uh, you know, before an annulment is granted, we always give the assumption that the previous marriage was in fact sacramental. Only, only after the annulment has been granted has the Church deemed it not to be a sacramental marriage. So therefore, we're always working on the assumption before the annulment is granted, that you're sacramentally married. And if you're sacramentally married to somebody, you can't go out on dates with somebody else. And so can you be friends with somebody that you are very uh, romantically interested in? Yes, you can be, but you know your own weaknesses, right? And so it's like, uh, uh, do you call it a date or are you call it a friendship? You have to be honest with yourself about that. Great question in regards to that. And there are a lot of annulments that
1: are in process out there, and I'm sure it's hard for individuals as they wait for a period of time for the decision to come through on it. And we always encourage individuals to seek that process and get it undertaken as quickly as
0: possible. We have about three minutes, and so 877-795-0122, not a single caller. Not one. 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122 plenty of good questions yes very but good but all through facebook today. which is perfectly fine as well we like the questions but we'd like somebody
1: on air somebody from our local area somebody from outside of our area or somebody from Montana
0: Canada or Wyoming who all remain cancelled until For I hear from them. from them at
1: 877-795-0122 so father rich do you have any trips to rome coming up
0: I am. I'm going to Rome on Sunday, first time since COVID, so I'm excited about that. Do our listeners know about your extensive Rome experience? I don't know. Okay. I I used to be a, a Romaholic. Yes. Well, I still am, but I just haven't been able to go because of COVID. As frequently as you so used I, to. I lead tours to, to Rome. Many, uh, I've done many of them. John, you were on one of my yes, tours we to Rome yes. many years ago. My wife and I and two other couples. It's fantastic. I'd encourage everybody to do it. Yeah, but I'm, i am I got a day job, so don't all call me. No
1: but somebody if you can go to Rome on a tour with a priest right. who knows uh, who knows the city the city right. well that it's it's a life-changing experience we have another question for miscarriages is there such a thing as baptism of
0: desire absolutely absolutely baptism by desire is if there's the intention if it if it was the intention of the parents to have the child baptized that is a baptism of desire. There's also something called the baptism by blood, right? If somebody was martyred, you know, before they got baptized, that's less common these days, but baptism by desire can also, I've had this many times for funerals in my priesthood where a baby died of SIDS or something like that. The parents had the desire to baptize, but they didn't do it in time before the baby died. We would call that a true baptism by desire. God sorts those things out, mm-hmm. but there, it's a great source of uh, of uh, consolation, for the uh, for the family, but I'd say is that for those uh, for those families that have not baptized their kids, get your kids baptized. Call don't, the church today. Yeah, don't don't wait. Too many. I've got too many people in my own family that aren't baptizing their kids. Like you're crazy. Okay, and what is your favorite color? My favorite color. That's a very good question because that's become my favorite question of choice. Deacon John, I don't know if you know this, but no, I didn't know. that. I didn't ask Father Seth, but I often ask our guests, "What's your favorite color?" You just do do that off, I, just I, to throw them off. I recognize off. that now. My favorite color. Is black. Always has been, always will be. <laughs> I became a priest because of Johnny Cash, so I could wear black all the time and not be questioned. I've worn black every single day since he died in honor of him. <laughs> That's my favorite color. Anyhow, so a lot of great questions. That last one was the best. It I'd was. like to know who actually asked that question. And so uh, you can keep listening. In fact, we in te- expect you yes. to keep listening. And our next guest is a guy who just got ordained a deacon. I like just ordained a deacon on Friday. Deacon Jacob Toma. He's a seminarian for the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. It's going to be fun to ask him what it's like to be a baby deacon. Right after this very brief stay break, with us, but in an important break.